You want to be able to like give the people who work for you a good quality of life. You want to be able to make sure that you're buying the best ingredients that you can to make the best food, which quite frankly, I'm more interested in using ingredients that are less quality in order to make something amazing. That sounds pretty interesting. It takes more work. It, it's also, it's also about like, if I have the same, like if I have the same access to ingredients that someone down the street does, if we're both like getting something that's of the same quality from a Kroger or a Safeway or a whatever, right? What can I do with it that makes it, you know, more valuable or whatever than what you can do with it, right? Because right, it's the execution it. over the source exactly. ingredients. So yeah. I'm more yeah. interested in like, it's like, oh, you need the best tomatoes to make the best marinara. Like, like it's easy to make the best marinara from the best tomatoes. Yeah. Make me the best marinara out of shitty tomatoes. Yeah. I'm much more interested in, in, in that than anything else. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Way Ramen Podcast. I'm sorry for not having any new episodes for a bit. I took a bit of a break. I had some things that I had to take care of and I just couldn't fit in recording new episodes at the time. But we're back, at least for this week. And we got a great show for you guys today. The boys from Black Dynasty Ramen are on the podcast. For people who aren't familiar, Black Dynasty Ramen is a secret ramen shop, or so they call themselves, in Nashville, Tennessee. And they're doing Korowari Ramen with regional southern ingredients. I've been a big fan of their approach to making ramen and what these guys have been doing. Their passion for food and ramen is infectious, and I had a great time talking to them. We talked for about two hours. So without further ado, here is Rooney and Tillman of Black Dynasty Ramen. Enjoy. So thanks, guys, so much for coming on again. I really do appreciate it. You know, thanks for, for also helping me out with the first test stream for a Patreon. Yeah. So really do appreciate it. Thanks for having us. No, man, we t- I took a little break, like I told you guys before, and this is the perfect one to come back to because uh, I've been actually watching you guys for a while and I really like what you guys are doing. Everything that you guys are doing. Um, it, it hits on like a lot of the core things that I think is super important for ramen in America, you know, like doing regional ramen with the local ingredients. And I also really love the idea of a secret ramen shop. Like that's my dream is to open like a super secret ramen shop here on Kauai on the island that I live. So, yeah. so I guess, could you guys, could you guys introduce yourselves? Like um, who you are and I mean, you know what you guys are doing now hey uh how's it going i'm rooney i'm the executive chef here at black dynasty secret ramen house and this is i'm tillman i am the sous chef here at black dynasty ramen house cool yeah. cool man and you guys are located in nashville tennessee correct yes yeah. cool cool man all right let's see i got a bunch of questions here that i was thinking up so i'm, I'm kind of interested in it. so do you guys have i know that um I know that some of you guys worked at other ramen shops and other places, but could you, you guys have a culinary background, right? Like you guys went yeah. to, you guys have worked in restaurants for a long time. Could you talk about like a little bit about your background before getting into ramen? Yeah. Um, so I, I, have, I tell, I always tell people like cooking chose me. I didn't choose cooking, you know, it's cause in the, in the world we live in, we always get jobs we need, not jobs we want. So I started out, I, I, it's funny. I used to play music. Uh, okay. And funny, it's like listening to your, I religiously listen to your podcast. <laughs> and everybody that you, like several people that you've had on came from the music industry. Yep. Probably bigger stuff than like what I was doing. I just played in bands, whatever, like uh, had a good time playing shows, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's like I was a dishwasher for three years and then at just various places. And then... I ended up getting a job at a Vietnamese restaurant on the West Coast. 
uh, as a dishwasher and then became a cook under Chef Khan. And then I ended up working at a Indian restaurant here in Nashville. I started out as an expo assistant and then worked my way up to a salary position, uh, working between the, an Indian restaurant called Shohan with Minit Shohan. She's like a food network uh, celebrity chef. Wow. Um, and then I ended up working for uh, Chef Chris, who he has a, he has a dim sum shop in Brooklyn called East Wind Snack Shop. He opened up a second concept in, um, maybe a third concept in Nashville called Tonso, which means to explore in Cantonese. So it was like a blend of, you know, it was, it was basically taking American Chinese food and Chinese food and making it fine dining. And so like we would do like eel covered, we would do like eel wrap, eel stuffed chicken. That was the dish. It didn't sell at all, but it was absolutely delicious. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a shame because it, it was so awesome. Anyway, after Tongso, I ended up, uh, I was a sous chef there. And then I went on to work at Josephine with Chef Andy Little who has been nominated for a James Beard Award twice. And I was there for about a year and a half, two years. And then I took the leap uh, to do, and while I was at Josephine, we started doing the pop-ups. I started out of my house doing like five courses for 10 people. I met Tillman cause he reached out to me uh, and saying, hey man, if you ever need help with prep, I'm like super interested in what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm in the shits. I'm like, making noodles with two kitchen aids and like yeah come over fucking now he was like when do you want me to come it over was 30 minutes later and i was like dude come <laughs> over here like let, let's do this yeah. and then uh yeah i mean long story short we opened up the physical location and quit doing pop-ups when corona started literally in march oh yeah man. we started march 17th yeah at, that's so at, brutal at our, at our location right now but but it's worked out. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I started cooking really young, not in professionally, obviously, but I was, uh, homeschooled, uh, and my stepmom couldn't cook at all. So if I wanted to eat something tasty, I kind of had to figure it out for myself. Uh, so I, I love cooking from a really young age. Uh, my mom exposed me to a lot of really nice restaurants when I was really young. Uh, but I never really wanted to pursue that. I also was a musician uh and a photographer wanted to do that kind of artistic stuff uh but then again out of necessity i needed to get a job and found a job in kitchens about like six years ago i started just like flipping burgers at a like nicer burger bar around town and uh from there like i really started realizing like oh i could actually get passionate about doing this for a living and uh just started practicing at home mostly and then uh started working for otaku it was like two years ago i was at otaku ramen i was there for a year and a half give or take um and i ended up being their sous chef at one point for uh like half the time i was there um and uh i learned a lot there uh learned a lot about the fact that i really wanted to do ramen or japanese food in particular like that was really what i wanted and I, uh, I grew up being a super weeb too. Like I was exposed to uh, like anime probably when I was like nine years old, like late night something on television and just like, oh my God, what is this? And ever since I just started getting obsessed with Japanese culture and uh, got to like take Japanese for my high school language. I don't speak like any Japanese at all anymore, of course. Mm. But I, um, 
yeah, I, I, that's pretty much it, I think. <laughs> also, shout out to the local, one of our favorite, one of my favorite local shops in town, 210. Yes. Like, my interest, like, I, my introduction to ramen was really the Momofoku cookbook. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, I remember finding that book at a house that I used to live at. It was lent to my roommate. And I was just, it was like when I really started kind of, it was when I started taking cooking seriously, started reading that book, then like leads to discovering who Ivan Orkin was. And then, you know, figuring out who Mike was, you know, yeah, Ron Ford, yeah. you know. Uh, I like how we all just call him Mike. Everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody knows who Mike is. There's only one Mike Mystique in the ramen over, world. Ramen yeah, world. We know. The mystique is over. We know. Right. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, during that time, I asked to stage with Jess and Trey, who are the chef owners of 210 Jack and Green Pheasant, rest in peace. Uh, and... I was, I worked a few shifts there and then I was a part of Green Pheasant's opening team and really got to get a little bit more hands-on with Japanese cuisine. Uh, and yeah, here we are. Bada bing, bada boom. So when you guys were doing your first pop-ups, was that already ramen pop-ups or were you doing like other things, like other kind of like five course meals? Or I was kind of looking at your Instagram again last night and I was kind of like trying to see what you guys were doing really early. If you, you see that pop-ups. first bowl, one thing that I really appreciate, appreciate about you and your show that I think is something that you don't see often in the culinary community is like, you are unashamed of failure, which is really important. <laughs> it really is. And it it's is. like, and it's like failure, like everything is objective, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I just started watching food wars and it's uh-huh. like peanut butter and squid. That's so disgusting. You know, like that it's could still awesome. That could be delicious to me. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. So like what is a failure to you? is not a failure to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Food is so objective and subjective. So subjective. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so it's like we that first bowl. I just wanted to. I was working at Tonso. I was a sous chef there, and I was like, you know, I really love this food, but like, I really want to start doing my own thing just because I want to express myself. It's like being. Some people think that like cooking professionally is like, oh, it's so creative, and you get yeah. to do whatever you want. It's like, no, man. It's not like I can change the plate up every time it comes out, yeah, right? Yeah. No, you're, you're executing the vision. You're executing the vision of the executive chef if they are present, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, that's what it is. So I started with a few friends wanting to do the courses. The way we coursed out the dinners, it was always the same. So it was, we always did yakitori or like a form of kushiyaki as the first course, gyoza, salad, ramen, dessert. The first time I did it, we did seven courses. And I was like, this is way too much. Yeah. I was like, I can't handle this. I, was <laughs> I like, wasn't part of it at that point either. I, I gave like, I gave, I gave everybody two desserts because that's, uh, that's how I like to eat. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we took a break for a year. I didn't do anything for a year. And then I said, you know what? I really, I have to start doing this again. And then through that, that's this is how it's like how we met our investor was I started like in doing the pop-ups it's like I I really wanted to curate something that was that was like a really amazing course to meal but that didn't feel stuffy or weird I wanted it to be a party it's like playing playing music from like Black Flag to Bo Diddley to like 
trip hop, things that feel good. I designed the flyers to do like, that's all cut and paste stuff. I love the flyers. They remind me of like these old like 90s punk shows I used to go to with my friends sometimes. Yeah, yeah you know it. Yep. So like that's where that all comes from is like a love of rock and roll and like being a little wild. Cause like, as you said, as, as you've said, and I agree wholeheartedly, ramen is like the punk rock of food. It is. Yeah, you know, especially is. when it comes to Japanese cuisine, yeah. you know? So yeah, for real. Yeah. Doing. Yeah. Preparing food, like proper washoku preparation of food is like, it, it, even though ramen still has that, like it, it's a whole different level when you're actually like, even just Japanese breakfast is like a traditional one is so many different steps are involved to make it that way. And ramen, while it's like that, there's still something to it. That's a little, ah, do this, do that, throw it in there, see how it turns out, experiment, have fun. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like if you watch um, like sushi chefs, there's like, yeah. even down to the clothes that they wear, and how they hold their knife, it's all very regimented. But for ramen, yeah. it's like, you yeah. can do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. And and they're doing the same thing the guy before them taught them yep. for generations back, potentially, you know? Yeah, yeah to was, achieve, like, unwavering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was watching, like, uh, there was, I forget what, it was Eater or Tasty, one of those kind of, like, you know, food channels. And yeah. they, did a, they did a profile on this sushi chef in, in Oregon, who's or somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, who's, like, an American, but, you know, he's, like, Japanese-American, and but he's wearing a t-shirt and he's tatted up and stuff. And all the comments in Japanese are just like, he doesn't like just really negative because he doesn't. Yeah, I, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. The stereotype of like uh, what a Japanese envisions a sushi chef. So like when you yeah. take ramen, you have even in people in Japan, like Shimazaki-san with his, his hairstyle and his rock and yeah. roll, rock and billies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. I, that guy's awesome. Like, I look up to that guy a lot. I, I, I remember seeing like, ramen heads in theaters you know how long ago was that like two years ago it came I out i think it might have been longer than that i'm not sure yeah. it was a while ago yeah i don't know i have no sense of time <laughs> the only sense of time i have is ticket times uh, <laughs> um but yeah it's 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 been a wild ride because yeah. the course dinners we met so my friend who was a bartender at josephine eddie he brought his friend troy who is an older gentleman who loves food, has always loved food. He works in like luxury car sales and has like several businesses, is a really great guy um, and has always supported the food scene and was trying to open up an Indian spot, but the chef fell through, you know, and he was like trying to work with somebody and make, be partners with somebody to do, you know, to start a food business and to, to start a restaurant and, and be a part of that, you know, because he, he, even though he doesn't have a lot of culinary experience, he's really passionate. I mean, our main investor and my business partner is here every day. He's 52 years old. Yeah. Old white dude from Texas, like doesn't really know a whole lot about ramen, but is like learning with us along the way. That's awesome. Like hacks yeah. the food every night. He works, he gets up at 6 a.m., works it, works at his, his, his luxury car spot. And then at 6 p.m. shows up here and works till 10 or 11. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Crazy. Six days a week. Yeah. He works. We got really lucky. He, he works seven days a week and takes two half days off. Like yeah. Troy Scott is, is, is a, a monster. Is a, a rad monster. guy. Yeah. Um, so we met him and he's, I mean, he's the reason why he's, you know, half the reason why we're at where we're at. Yeah. We would always be making our own noodles, but like we could probably only keep up with like 50 bowls a day. Yeah. Yeah. At, at this Realistically, point. if you know, cause you see so many places trying to do it. And I've even thought about getting those Chinese noodle machines 
on Alibaba, you know, just for at home. But it's like, I see guys actually producing for their pop-ups through that. And it's like, it's a great way to get started with it. But if we were doing that now, I, I don't think I'd do anything but make noodles anymore. I think that would be it with how much we sell now. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you guys got the Richmond one, it's like a night and day difference from the, from that to like the, what everybody else is getting, you know, that $500, $600 uh, Chinese noodle machine. It's like going from a Geo Metro to like an <laughs> F14 Tomcat. It's not even a yeah, car anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's really like if you're trying to open a ramen shop and you're getting a loan, spend it on a fucking like get a richmond for real you Spin will it on a damn noodle machine. you will thank yourself a million times over because we get to experiment and have fun with all these different noodles and i don't have to freak out like oh now i have to produce the regular noodles for the normal bowls too i can actually pull out 500 noodles in six hours it's like we did that reuben bowl which was delicious and it was our first attempt at it and we were like it's like half the time we're making the specials that we, you know, cause we change the menu like every day almost. Yeah. Almost every day. And it's like half the time we're like, you know, the, the time, the hour before the photo, we're like, fuck, I really hope this is good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's all just workshopping stuff off of our previous knowledge and knowing like, okay, we know these flavors normally would work. Let's find out. And then. Yeah. I, I love that. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about. So like, I love what you guys are doing with using a lot of these like regional ingredients or like trying to take ingredients that aren't commonly used in what people would usually associate with ramen, you know, like the classical shoyu ramen flavor, shio ramen flavor. So you guys are always putting your own twist on it. Like, how do you guys go about designing these bowls? You know, you're talking about a little bit about, sound like you're going to get into it a little bit with the rival, but you know, for example, I, someone on the, on the discord server was talking about your guys gumbo tsukimen was like the best thing that he's ever eaten. Like, how do you go about creating these flavors for these new dishes? Like, what's your approach to that? Well, whoever said that on Discord, thank, thank you, you so much. much. Yes. I think I know who you're talking about. He's a really sweet dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was, it was literally like the week before we served it. It was the Sunday before. We were like, all right. So we've been talking about this. We've wanting been, to do we, a We had been joking like, hey, if we're going to do a Tsukaman, if we're going to be regional, let's do gumbo. Ha, ha, ha. And then we were like, no. Let's do gumbo. So like and, he okay. took the time to design the noodles and to really like hone in on that recipe. Yeah. And I really took the time to like develop the soup. And I mean, that bowl was really fun. Cause I always thought like after seeing, I mean, I didn't even really know about that style till I saw Chef Tomita on Ramen Heads, you know, yeah. like I had maybe seen photos, but I didn't really even understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. So I was like, and then when, I saw Mike did a pop-up at Green Pheasant with Trey and Jess. Yeah, yeah. And like I was working brunch at the time, uh, working egg station at Josephine, so I couldn't come out to eat. But I was like, hey, like I'll do anything, like just come kick it and help yeah. you guys prep. So like I saw and was a part of the preparation of that soup, you know, uh, like a traditional like clone, like you know, tomitas like goyokai. So I was like, fuck, this is nuts. Like this is it's such a labor-intensive soup. It's like more labor intensive than anything. We were, I was like, how can we make this more delicious and even harder? Yeah. Uh, I made it, we made a roux base, a dark, a dark roux. Very dark chocolate. Beer. So like in the South, some people will say that like you measure your roux by how many beers you drink while you're doing it. <laughs> so like one beer is like a blonde roux, two beers is brown, three beers is dark brown, four beers is like that chocolate, it looks almost burnt, which is what you want for a gumbo put aromatics in, add ginger, you put the holy trinity, uh, and then 
we made a tonkotsu where we steeped a bunch of dried fish. I think we put katsubushi, yeah. uh, scallop, yes. you know, niboshi, scallop. And, and I, did we have squid? I don't know. I don't think we put squid in that, but we definitely put a bunch of kombu, probably like yeah. 500 grams of kombu in the pot or something like that. And then we just steeped it, took out, took out what we wanted, then put more katsubushi, blended it, strained it, added it to the, uh, added it to the roux to let it slightly thicken the thing about roux is is the lighter it is the more bonding power that it has so that's why white gravy in the south is so thick and heavy because the roux is very light I see, uh, I see. But with gumbo but with gumbo it's it's that's why gumbo is more like a soup and a stew really what makes it thick and heavy is like the sausage and the shrimp and the if it's crawfish in there and all the vegetables you know but it's, I mean, the way we develop bowls is really just, what do we want to make? It's a very collaborative effort. It's him, it's me, it's the cooks right now in the back of the kitchen that are prepping. Yeah. Okay, we're going to show oh, you. Nice I'm view. Show you this space. Yeah. So like this is, I had a homie do this piece. This is our library. Sick. Riley, say hi. We're blending. That's our Python. Working on Gyoza. You guys got a nice setup, man. Yeah, it's small, but it works. So how do you guys like, so, so you kind of mentioned that you do like the, you're designing noodles specifically for the soup and things like, how do you guys approach both sides of that? Like which comes first? Does anything come first or? Is it like a, okay, I think this noodle will work with this, if this idea, and then you kind of go from there? Or? Sometimes. I feel like a lot of times, like, it comes from the concept of, like, man, I'm hungry. What do you want to eat right now? <laughs> like, literally, like, I was, like, the other night, I was like, man, like, a, a KFC bowl kind of sounds good. You know, just fried chicken on mashed potatoes. So, like, that's something that we're thinking we might run is, like, a, a karage chicken on, like, some kind of mashed potatoes with sake deglaze, like alums in it and stuff like that. Like, it's really, I feel like a lot of it comes from seeing things that we're interested in and just kind of going for it. You know, like something that we want to eat, something we see somebody else is doing that we're really interested in, or something that like we've been playing with for a while and we're finally like, all right, let's hone this in and make it perfect. The thing is also with pairing noodles with soup, it's like there's like I understood general rules and then it's like the more you talk with people who have like we've never been to Japan our entire experience with ramen and with Japanese food has been in the states yeah like I took a trip with our business partner to New York and we ate at like 12 shops in four days oh. you know and that's like that's like the most that I've had other than that it's like everywhere I travel I have ramen but it's like I always take notes. I have a notebook where it's like, this is what I liked about this soup. This is what I didn't like. This is what I think would be better. I'm never really trying to make food that caters and just like, oh, sell it like hotcakes. It's like, I'm most concerned with making things that are like just fucking delicious, man. Yeah, yeah. So pairing noodles with soup, we're a little limited, right? Yeah. We've really honed in on, you know, playing with hydrations, playing with, playing with, you know, 
what our Kansui mix is and how much that really affects uh, a little bit. Like when we did that soup came in, those were hand cut. That was all him. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know? um, and I mean, it's like you can only do so much with one cutter, but it's like to get a new cutter, it's like 800 bucks. <laughs> yeah. It's, one of those it's a lot of money. Yeah. So just, to, just to be able like, okay, I'm going to make one more shape of noodle. It's yeah. like, here's a thousand dollars pretty much to <laughs> be able to make a new noodle. So it's like, we try to play with, we almost change. We've been changing the noodle like pretty consistently yeah. like, every week that we make them. It's like, yeah. okay, we're trying this now. So it's yeah. like the noodles have evolved as like everything has evolved and grown. And it's like, we do our best to write down recipes and keep track of what yeah. we're doing and we, make adjustments. We use like, on, because our, our time is limited, like really between Rooney and I, we're here between 50, I'm here about 50 hours a week and Rooney's here usually 70 hours a week, 60, 70 hours a week. And because of that, you know, and we have a few people that work for us and help us out and get stuff done, but our crew is really limited. So to make more than one or two noodles is really difficult, you know, to have them in house all the time. Um, Cause somebody has to be, you more than one person in the shop making the soups and all the garnishes and all the proteins and stuff. So uh, we have tried to hone in on a noodle. My, I really love noodles. I'm super passionate. I got started with making udon. Uh, udon in particular is like my favorite, like yaki, yaki udon. Uh, there was a little izakaya, like literally on the corner that I grew up with, uh, grew up on when I was really young. And uh, I went in there and had like chicken yaki udon for the first time in my life. And I was like 13. And ever since I've been like, holy shit, I want to recreate this. This is the most perfect dish. Uh, I could eat this all day, every day. And it had little fried, I got an appetizer of fried baby octopus too. It was so perfect. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, um, so I, uh, started with just doing udon at home and literally like step kneading them, like, you know, putting them in plastic bags and walking on them. And then I started getting, I got myself a little Mercado it's like machine. The Momofuku recipe says at this point you will curse and sweat Yes, and then curse and sweat some more. Exactly. Or like something like almost verbatim that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause yeah. It, making noodles is hard. It is hard. Anybody who d tries to make ramen noodles in particular at home, it's difficult. And it goes against almost every everything, everything you've you know been taught about, about dough. dough yeah for, is it everything for, in ramen like against what you've been taught in the west right like a almost lot. almost I mean, everything a lot of it i mean is, yes, yes and no though like well, like truly like no clear, clear soups no are kind of the same minus okay, yeah yeah that's true that's yeah true. but also minus the aromatics in the, the whole process but right? think about how many things get burned in ramen intentionally like mayu Absolutely. in particular yeah like, that's a thing that if a, if a western chef had no experience with it and you brought the Mayu, they'd be like, what the fuck? What is this? You know what I mean? But, but at the same time, like, like the things translate, right? Like for example, yeah. I love Fernet. I love Fernet Bronco just as much as I love sake, just yeah. as much as I love whiskey and yeah. Japanese whiskeys in particular. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the Fernet is like very bitter flavor. So like Mayu, you know, working yeah, it with- translate. It, it, it translates and that's an Italian Amaro yeah. with, with like a Japanese condiment, you know? Interesting. Basically. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that's, that's aromatic well, oil. It's not really a figure combination. out a way to make it. Yeah, I, I, um, I want to cook with Fernet, but I'm, I'm, really I'm good. a little too, I'm a little hesitant. But like, fuck it. What's Write it down, chef. What's the, what's um, the but yeah, no. What I was saying, I tried to dial in on one type of noodle that's going to work pretty well in a lot of bowls. Mm -hmm. Um, just because we are limited with what we can produce too, because I don't have, a, we don't have a bunch of different cutter sizes right now. 
And instead of outsourcing to somebody like Sun, who I love Sun Noodles, like it's I- It's a great product. They're, they're doing something right. Yeah, and it's genuine. Like if you're gonna buy noodles to make ramen at home and you don't have the facilities to make your own noodles, buy Sun Ramen Noodles. They are incredible. Or if you're in, if you're in New York, buy Kezo's Noodles because yeah. they're probably the best in like the, the US. And Kezo's been- Man, we we've we've looked up to Kezo a lot and like yeah. asked him like it's before we met each other. It's like we were just like messaging him and like asking him little questions yeah. here and there. Like, you know, his grind is the one that like because I see him. You know, he's got what two kids and he's in his shop at two a.m. making soups. You know, like seeing that is like yes, that is it. That's like it's that's like what we want to do. We see you, dude. Yeah. If you're watching this, we see you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really great. It's impressive, and that's that's the kind of drive like. If you want to do this on a shoestring budget and start a shop, that's how you got to do it. You got to be that guy who's working till 2 a.m. six nights a week, you know, sometimes seven nights a week, and you don't you don't get a break for months. Which is funny because that's the goal. There's not really a big late night food scene here in Nashville, yeah. even though it's like one of the fastest growing cities in America. Obviously, put to yeah. a halt because of COVID. But yeah. but like we want to be a part of like pushing like there's more yeah. to eat at night than just you know burgers and mcdonald's burger like mcdonald's burgers uh there are a few cool late night spots yeah there are i yeah, love yeah. dino's yeah dino's is amazing dino's is great bar. five points uh pizza is really badass if you're ever in nashville and you're trying to get a you're trying to get a slice of pie but like that's pretty much it yeah there's no there's literally no asian option i can think of that is open after 10 p.m. yeah nashville. maybe virago maybe i don't know I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things. Like, we want to be like, if you, ramen is the ultimate. I'm drunk and it's 1 a.m. and I need to eat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, in Japan, you have like those like yatai, like cart things yeah. that they wheel out only at night from like yes, until exactly. three o'clock in the morning, you know, and they're serving ramen for drunk people, basically. It's funny because independently before we met each other, we that's were my like, dream. That's what we, I want. We were like looking like, okay, how can I build a wooden cart? Yeah. And is it cool? Like, how can I build a wooden cart with like electric burners to like yeah. make this work? Yeah. Huh. Right. How how do I or like hook up the yeah. propane tank without blowing myself up? I don't think I don't know where you could pull that off in America, quite frankly. Actually, running a, a successful yatai like that small. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's more so like I was super into the ones that like have the seats that fold down. Yeah, <laughs> like, ten seats around, you're just like boom, stop. Yeah, that's like, pretty cool. It's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, transformer attack. It's all transformer attack. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like you guys have too much trouble sourcing the Japanese ingredients, like because you said you're using the boshi and things like that. Yeah, Nashville is actually really lucky to have a. a really large Asian population. Oh, okay. um, there's a tremendous amount of Thai, Indian, and um, Japanese people here. Uh, I think I think we have a system. Well, I do know, but, um, I do know, Tennessee has a we share, moderately similar climate to- Well, we share like latitude and longitude, I think with uh, one section of Japan, I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, um, oh my. Uh, my internet says it's being unstable. Yeah, the internet here kind of sucks. So it's getting better. It's getting better slowly. Here. We're saving it. Okay, cool, sweet. Um, yeah, no, we've been lucky. So there's several Asian markets in town. There's like KNS Market and Fresh and Fresh and InterAsian. InterAsian's so rad. They do these. They have double meat bonnies that are like six bucks. They're this big, and oh my god, they make it all every day. It's so good, and they're like cash only too. But we've been lucky; we have those resources here. That's the only place where you can find potassium sodium 
uh, bicarbonate, the Kunshan brand. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kunshan, the, the yeah. liquid Kongsui. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fresh as it too, if you're in Nashville. Um, so, so like has that. you guys been like your? It hasn't been like it's not the fact that you couldn't make ramen that you're choosing to use these ingredients. It's more like you just want to make ramen with these ingredients because, like, you know, like it's kind of like these. Like a lot of people want to make Japanese ramen in America, they can't get the things, and so they yeah. have to. They're forced to. But it seems it sounds like more you guys just want to not have to rely on these Japanese flavors too much and just want to make things that you guys want to eat. Sometimes, I mean, like, because to me, the Japanese, like, Jap, like sake soy mirin is like that holy trinity of mm-hmm. like, you can't not. Sauces. What would you even do? Like uh, yeah. a white wine Worcestershire and <laughs> vinegar, white vinegar. Yeah, like you know, what? Like what? It's they're very they're close relatives, but they're not the same. Which know? like I would like to play with that and just see what yeah. it is like on a day off. Just like okay, what would it mean to make an all American ramen? But at the same time, it's like yeah, I still want to because at the end of the day, I also am aware of the fact that I'm pulling some things from another culture that they do these things for a reason. You know, there's a reason, and even though I'm trying to mess with it, and ramen is one of those things that a lot of people are like okay, experiment and have fun. I still want to be there like, There has to oh, be a no. level of respect. Yeah, like, I don't want to just be like, no, I do it this way, and this is the way that we do it. It's like, no, I, I still follow these things because obviously this is good for a reason. Like, they, yeah. ramen's been around 120 years, right? I, I think those people know more about it than me. Yeah, so. I, and it took the boom, you know, post-World War II. Yeah. Which, like, I think it's, I think it's funny because, like, in America, you know, especially... Here in the South, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, like, what do you mean ramen? You mean like instant packets? And yeah, it's like, people still think marichan and stuff like that. But it's like, but it's, but it's like, quite frankly, it's like part of the reason that ramen took off in Japan post-World War II was because Australia, the UK, and the US provided wheat yep, during wheat yep. shortages, yep. you know, after the war. So it was like, it's American wheat that's being used in a Japanese dish, which then became... And it's just like, it just, co- it, uh, yeah. it's like why I love, why I love food, why I love art, because everything is connected. Yeah, it is. Everything is related. Everything is like tipping its hat to each other. It's like with music, uh, you know, this band co- has their band name because of this obscure song from, you know, when, but like people who know and people who are nerds about that kind of thing yeah. are like, they love that shit. they're like, yeah. I see you. Like, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so different flavors and stuff like that. Like, we just like thinking more, okay, because there are plenty of times, like, I want to do, I really want to make, like, umeboshi, but where am I going to get, like, good plum vinegar? I want to make my own, like, um, what is it, uh, benishoga, too. Yeah, But awesome. we can't get good proper, I can get, like, a standard Korean plum vinegar, but I can't get what I really, really want, and I'd like to make my own plum vinegar, things like that, you know, where it's, like, those are things that we try to find alternatives okay well what could we do for this like if we can't get shiso how could we marry mint and basil you know like yeah things exactly like that. exactly super interesting so yeah. they kind of touched on a little bit what you know you wanted to make an all-american bowl like what do you think Amer- um ramen in america is going to go going to become from here because i feel like it's still pretty early maybe i mean like it's been like maybe like 10, 20 years, maybe at most, where people finally yeah. got introduced to anything other than packaged. I don't know. Ramen. Popular, like I, truly popular. I yeah. think that as xenophobia kind of dissipates and we kind of see more progressive movements with people in general in the States, like like what's happening with BLM right now, like you wouldn't have seen it 
three years ago. Yeah. Now everyone's like, okay, this is a wake up call. Like this is a real issue. And like you see people becoming more progressive. And I think that's like, you know, food, art, politics, those are all things that are related yeah. and are not exclusive. Like you can't yeah. talk about, well, we can't of- talk about food without talking about, you know, the landscape of, of the world and what's happening in it. Right. Yeah. So I think that we will be, people will be more open and moving towards more traditional bulls in the States. And then you can, and then we will see more manifestations, I think, of truly regional bulls. Yeah. Uh, and also everything is so instant and, and like you can order things on Amazon. Yeah. You know, especially in the States, it's like with all the access that we have. Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of ingredients that you do end up needing, uh, you can get on Amazon. And in terms of like where things are going, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think ramen only has, it can only go up from here in the, in the U.S. in particular, because when it comes down to it, ramen is one of those things. You can, you can be a shop that's a cheater and you're using instant tares, you're using pre-made noodles, you're using soups that are outsourced to, uh, you know, local kitchens. With people, and, people that aren't your staff that yeah, are making your food, where you yeah, have no, and, you have no say in the oversight of your product that yeah, you're selling, and you just hire people to work the line like a McDonald's at twelve dollars an hour, and you just put out soup and you're making money. And that, I think, honestly, in America, I do think that will become more popular. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that that can be a good thing so long as other people are still just like how. McDonald's is so huge. There's been burger booms with people being like, no, I want to make a I don't know. I don't know, though. Like, I kind of take issue with it because I think it's like, it's like Mike talked about this in one of the first episodes that you had. And I thought it was, I thought it was a really brilliant point. He was like, look, there's really nothing fucking wrong with using pre-made soups, pre-made noodles, whatever. Like, no, there's not. There's not. But the issue is, is, is that nobody is willing to come out and say, this is all fake. Yeah, 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 that's true. Like people pass it off as like authentic Japanese ramen, but it's just, they're just emptying things into pots, opening a bag of noodles, putting the noodles in. And I mean, it's technically kind of authentic because maybe they're sourcing it from a Japanese manufacturer or something. Well, that's like a marketing (laughs) point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our our friend out in Kansas City, uh, his name is Patrick. He He has a shop called Chio. He was telling us about this shop that he knows that part of their like advertisement on the radio was... We import all of our products from Japan for that authentic flavor, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> all of it? Like, yeah. I, like I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, they import the soup. You're absolutely yeah. right. You're buying concentrate. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, authentic yeah. flavor. Yeah. And I can imagine it's like so much more profitable to to do that rather than spend the time to try to make a soup from scratch and make noodles from scratch and things. I, did, I, I disagree, though. What? I, I think I don't think it is I don't think it is like all that much cheaper. Uh, it is maybe it's, a little. It is on a larger scale because then you're sell- when you're selling soup like that you're selling in numbers. Yeah. Huge numbers where selling by if if a bowl costs you twenty percent less like that number is just crazy. We're lucky to do a yeah. hundred bowls a night yeah. right now. Yeah. Whereas like when we were doing pop ups, it's like we had there was a line of three hundred people outside of oh, yeah. a taco spot uh, out in Donaldson here in Nashville. Waiting in 26 degrees. Yeah, it was 26 degrees outside. I People couldn't were waiting believe it. I two and a half hours. We, yeah, we had to execute 300 bowls in two and a half hours. It was one of the scariest situations I've been in. in, a, in yeah, absolutely. In 
and like we did what we had to do to make yeah. it, to make it work. Yeah, we did it. It was nuts. I, th- I find this fascinating. The whole idea of ramen in the south, you know, it's something that I would never have imagined. You know, being in it's, Hawaii. No, with... it, it makes a lot of sense though, really, because yeah. it's it's like uh, let's say like what's the gateway, right? Tonkotsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pork. So in Texas, when we talk about things like barbecue, like beef is king. And whereas like in Tennessee and, you know, a place like Memphis or Nashville, you have like pork is king. Yeah. So talking about, you know, how barbecue, you know, is like very relative to the South and like soul food, you know, you know, very much so like black food is working class food, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and, and so is ramen and it's a comfort, you know, and it's very simple. It's like, there's six components. No, five components. It's not, it's not a lot. So yeah. it's like the same. I really think it makes a, it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes more sense than some places. Well, and a lot of the theories of, of the way that things are cooked, even, you know, like there's in the South, there's a tremendous amount of pickling. Yes. There's a tremendous amount of seafood, especially in the Gulf. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, what was it? Uh, like slow cooking meats, things like that, like chashu, you know, like grazing things for long periods of time. It, the alternative is in the form of smoking, you know, which not to say that obviously Japanese culture has smoking stuff, but it's a similar way of presenting the same cut of meat, you know, like smoked pork belly has that same tearing, delicious, chashu-y kind of texture. Bacon is the, chashu and chashu is bacon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it's the same cut of meat. It's just, I did this and you did that. And right, you're getting that smoky flavor from like katsubushi, which is smoked, and you're exactly. bringing that into the, the that flavor yeah. into the bowl too. So yeah, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. It, has, it does make, The more you think about it, the more sense it makes. That's, that's yeah. true. And that's like, you know, Otaku did something. I'm really bummed it left, actually. I, it wasn't as popular because people didn't like it, but they had a mazaman at one point. It was like a ham floss and katsubushi. So it's like this smoky ham floss with katsubushi blitzed and mixed and with like an egg yolk on it, mazaman. So it's this super smoky ham salad, but has this crazy fishy flavor to it. So it's like this perfect blending of like, oh, Southern ham salad and Japanese like fish, you know, flavors. And it's like, yes, this is, yes, that's where the, that's where it meets, you know? But I think it's also just calling something ham salad with noodles. It's like, yeah. if we were to pitch, it's like if you were to pitch something like, uh, I don't know, like if you were to try to incorporate kansui in a pastry dough and make, I don't know, essentially fried dessert noodles, like that wouldn't do well. Like yeah, maybe know. it would, fuck it, we'll do it next week. I don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, but it just, it yeah. depends. I, I'm a big believer in, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Like, like if you present people, like if we are too worried about what other people's tastes are and what they're going to think about and what they're going to think about it. It's like, all you can do is make what you think is delicious. Mm-hmm. And if it's well-received, then it's well-received. If it's not, then go back to the drawing board. Yeah. But like, don't be afraid. Like fail, make plenty of failures. Cause that's well, the only way it's like fish it. sauce. For example, you don't really taste a lot of like, Sure, fish sauce is fishy, but when used appropriately in Thai food or it's like there's great. Japanese fish sauce, it is pure umami. Yeah, it's and, it, and, it, and it's not a whole lot of oh fish punch. It's like the essence. It's like yeah. that fulfilled taste. So I, I just, when you guys did your pop up, the 300 ticket pop up, like people, it's it just I, I just find it so fascinating because you guys, what did you guys serve? Like craft, it's pretty much like you know kotowari craft ramen kind of things and. 300 people already knew that's something that I want to eat. I want to stand in line outside. But it was also like we, at the time, we did a lot of, 
you know, paying tribute to the house that we were in. Yeah. So like for a Mexican restaurant or a, a Mexican American restaurant, we did, you know, riffs on, what was it? Like we did Chipotle, Chipotle smoked chashu and- The broth was- pozole, uh, It was like it was pozole, pozole verde. It was like pozole see, verde. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and yeah, and then we had pickled red onions and cilantro and stuff like that on the bowl. Uh, and then Julio took the, he took uh, maize and he made corn nuts and crushed that up. Yeah. And put it on the yaki spears. Yeah. Yeah. It was, awesome. it was it, And it was like one of those things that I never would have thought of doing, but he did it and it was like, oh shit this is awesome. that's such a great idea and that's that's a big part of where you know coming up with like like you asked earlier like noodles and bowls it's just like oh that sounds like it'll work let's try it let's make the let's let's just do it and if it doesn't work scrap it and start over try another idea like we were working on for Cinco de Mayo we did we used uh some some maíso from uh, some masa from Maíz de la Vida. Our friend Julio, who's the yeah. chef, who's the chef at Nectar. Yeah, we made blue corn noodles. Yeah, we made blue corn noodles. Now so they weren't quite blue. No, and they, they were. You could see the blue corn. And they were a little softer than our no than gluten. our than our typical yeah. noodles, but it was awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, it turned out really well. What do you think the ceiling is for ramen in the the United States? Like, how big can it get? Like, what do you like right now? It's kind of like this. It's kind of, it's really interesting. The more that I've been doing the show and I have people from like in Indiana and Kentucky, yeah. Nashville, like it seems like the South almost is, has like a stronger ramen scene than some of the other places. And it's kind of coming up from the South almost. Like, of course the coasts have, yeah. you know, New York and LA <laughs> have spots. Sure. I think uh, food in the South is a, is a way bigger culture than it happens to be in middle America for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. I think, and on, you know, the, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, it, it, a lot of it is based on food cultures that have existed for thousands of years. You know, a lot of it is based, based on black culture or Latin culture, even uh, native American and Mexican culture. It's like my, it's like my favorite city in America is new Orleans. Yeah. I cannot think of something that is a more, it is, it is, there is no city that is more different from the rest of the country than New Orleans with its with its history and its culture and it's like it was you have Spain you have you have Spanish culture you have black culture you have French culture yeah. and it all really comes together in an insane beautiful yeah. way and then like southern staples as well yeah and so to me that's like yeah it's a nice representation yeah. of, of I don't, food in the states I don't, I don't really know. see a ceiling because food I think I think Americans, Americans really like their food, man. I mean, everybody likes their yeah. food, but like food is, it's on TV, on every commercial, on every side of everything. You're always thinking like, and I know it is. Which, like, I, think, which like, I think Food Network is bullshit. But, really yeah, destroyed yeah, yeah, yeah. and done a lot of fucked up shit for our, for our, for our industry. Yeah, but you know, you know it's one of those things. Like, Where's the lamb sauce? <laughs> it's raw bro it's raw dude it's raw um uh but yeah it's i don't i don't think that there really is a ceiling i think uh it's one of those food things that is going to keep growing especially because the culture around it is so strong like it's one of those things where you can just be kind of into ramen you can but once you start getting into it it's a rabbit hole like you can just keep going and going and reading more stuff finding more people who know more things or even just being on Instagram, 
I could be following new ramen pages all day long. You know what I mean? Well, that's like, also well, that's also wrong. very niche. Like the ceiling. I agree with you. There but is, I think it's only going to get bigger as more people start. No, totally. For, creating that content and the, and there yeah there is really no ceiling because when we think about like the bare minimum like why did marshawn like marshawn like top ramen do so well in the states yeah, why yeah why it's yeah because it was cheap and it tastes good yeah and if you are a ramen snob and you don't like instant ramen dude, go, fuck your, go fuck yourself yeah go, like are you serious yeah it's, like that's i mean that's how a lot of people start yeah it's you know? just like it's like somebody who's like oh no i don't eat spam it's like have you ever had musubi get out of my house you know <laughs> like it's no yeah i mean making it's like it's like yeah the people who don't like spam it's like dude make bologna from scratch and tell me and sean brock who is uh who is a who is a wonderful chef here in the south um he, he has joyland uh he a million you, things. You, yeah, right he used to be involved He's with Husky. Blowing up, man. It's like watch him on Chef's Table. Watch his. I have his book. His, I have his book. Yeah. yeah. So you so you've seen the new book, right, Sal? I There's don't know a, if I have which one I have. I have to look at it again. The new the new book, Sal, has a recipe for for bologna, which I I kind of want to riff on, and uh, and and try to incorporate cor- incorporate some Japanese flavors into it, and do use like fried bologna on a bowl because like a fried bologna sandwich is like. A staple of like yeah. southern food yep. uh but it's like yeah it, what's the difference between masubi spam and bologna you know yeah, you know or Real, like really or charcuterie at the end of the fucking day yeah dude i mean spam is all that shit that well, like on more, a charcuterie plate just not you know it's sketchier dude i mean i love out of a can. Can. as much as i love yeah, exactly. Meyer, you know? yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so, so awesome. uh, yeah and that's really the vibe here is strip away pretension and have some fun just have some fun because you're gonna die one day (laughs) (laughs) you know live a little live a little it's okay and a a big thing too is like for people out there who are working on bowls and you want to get involved in ramen who are like i don't really like i'm like not that great of a cook like it's like quit talking bad about yourself and shut up and be okay with failure yeah it's okay to fail it is okay to fuck up it's about taking the time to recognize, learn, and improve. Yep. But you can't do any of the learning or improving if you're too afraid to fail. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Because like I wasn't born cool and I wasn't born wanting to be a chef and I wasn't born wanting to be, you know, like yeah. being the best at anything. I'm not even that great of a fucking cook. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just learning. We're yeah, just trying I mean, really, to do it. It's the truth. I didn't go to culinary school. I didn't have somebody who went to culinary school training me you know it's all stuff that's just strictly out of passion out of spending hours watching videos on youtube and reading books and you know read and watch stuff on youtube that's the thing and if you don't like reading just watch stuff on youtube man like it's all everybody's a different learner it is you know some people are like i love auditory that's why i love listening to podcasts in the car you know learning a thing or two I, th- I think that's kind of like a great thing because that's kind of become my whole philosophy for way of ramen. It's like, it's not about making the best ramen. It's about making the journey of making your best bowl of ramen. Like that's yeah. kind of my philosophy for what I'm trying to do here. So yeah. I think that's spot on. Like, I agree yeah. with 100%. I, yeah. I really like the idea of what you guys, you guys call yourself a secret ramen shop. Like what is the, yeah. <laughs> what's the story behind that? And like, I love that because that's kind of my dream here is to like make, well, do, it, was do- a, it was a secret because you're not allowed to i was doing the five course dinners out of my house yeah. <laughs> you, not, i was doing 10 seats, 10 seats for five people out of my house 
you're not legally allowed <laughs> yeah. to sell food out of something that is not a commercial kitchen yeah. without license. proper permits yeah. or license yeah. or like whatever. But and we charge fifty dollars a seat, which for five courses, not bad. It's like I've gone to course dinners and have spent on two people. Like it was a crazy rare occasion, like three hundred and fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easy. You know. Yeah. So, it, and that's where the punk rock element and the secret comes in. It's like, it's that speakeasy vibe of like, Hey, I, but how else are we going to do it? You know, if you don't have the money, if you don't have the space, do it's it just like, if there's, it's just yeah. like, the, it's just, the, it's just the principle of like, if there's a will, there's a way, if you yeah. really want to do something, you will do something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, you guys I still mean, consider not, your, do you guys still consider yourself a secret ramen shop now that you have a space we're, or is it we're really we're really bad kept secret <laughs> yeah it's poorly kept. Um, but we're still what we serve food out of the back of our friend's bar like yeah. this is our permanent location now. there's no that you can't come inside there's no window all you see when you pull up in the back is a like a full siding garage door and a ramen sign interesting that's it. it literally just okay. says ramen in japanese and that's it <laughs> so it's it's a little secret uh-huh. but we're we're on, we're on instagram so you know how how do yeah. people like it seems like people in Nashville don't mind take out ramen and there's not like this kind of thing like oh ramen has to be eaten right there no like, i i think a lot of that has to do with the way that ramen culture started here uh it started with takeout ramen uh-huh, takeout okay. ramen has been a thing since ramen's been around here um i wanted to do kits when we first started i pre- the idea of kits are preferable uh i I'm curious to play with that. I think we will have kits probably within the next six months. Yeah. Um, in small portions, but we should. Um, just so, just to play with. Yeah, that. just something. Because if if we could if we could make the sales that we're doing now in the form of kits, absolutely, I would prefer to do kits because I'd love for people to be preparing their own food that way. Because then they're going to be getting my food at the best quality. Mm-hmm. You know. And, what what's uh, the quality drop of doing takeout versus like kits or things like I've never tried a takeout ramen before. I mean, I guess I technically have from the the, the packaged soup shop that we have near my house. I've tried their takeout ramen, I guess. But yeah. what's the quality drop between like serving in? And, you know? The drop is mostly. I mean, there's a drop in presentation naturally. With okay, presentation. Food, yeah, you're moving things around. There's a drop in the quality of the noodle because what we do is we get our noodles to where they need to be and we shock them okay. and then boil them. And then we, with the aroma oil that's supposed to go on the top of the bowl usually. And I see, we I put see. them in, the, uh, in a container and then well, any top, toppings. on top of the cold noodles, yeah. soup in a separate pint container. Pop a hole on the top of your pint container if you're going to do hot ramen to go. Because if you just put hot soup in, in a, a pint a, container, it's going to something everything. In something like this it's just gonna explode it's gonna explode yeah oh really why does it explode because the the heat the steam pressure the steam will create pressure and it'll pop off yeah but and what we encourage we tell everybody who comes up hey make sure you heat your soup up on the stove for a minute and a half before you pour it over your noodles because you get home your noodles are already cold because we have to shock them so that they don't turn to mush and stick Mm -hmm. and then you get home and you pour a cold broth over it you know people do that because they don't get how it's supposed to work I think it's also just the American palate. Like people are not into like scalding hot soup, especially <laughs> yeah. when it's hot and muggy outside when it's like, oh, it's 92 today. You know what I really want? Yeah, 190 degree soup. That but like, sounds great. But like we've yeah. tried doing, like, like I want, like I did, we did a Hayashi Chuka 
bowl. Yeah, cold, cold bowl. That's it was delicious. Bowl. It was awesome. We took the pork belly scrap that we had because there's trim. We use a slicer to slice our pork belly instead of hand cut because it's just consistent. Yeah. And we have the tool, so might as well use it. Um, and so there's all this scrap from the ends. And so we chopped that up, fried it. Uh, we, we've been working on some fermentation here as well, like, like making koji and doing, doing things like shio koji. I have some garum that's working in the back, yeah. some beef garum. So we can basically do the beef version of fish sauce um, and try to incorporate that into bowls. Anyway, shrimp, shio koji, smoke it, uh, you know, uh, cherry tomato, cucumber, uh, carrot, all like julienne, uh, 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 cilantro, scallion, and like a very beautiful like soy vinaigrette that was, it was like a mix between, I don't know. It was like Boone. Boone it was like Boone from Vietnam. Yeah, kind of similar to that vibe. But, but, it, but it is, but it's a Japanese dish, Hayashi Chuka, like it's yeah. delicious. Yeah, because it's still ramen, so. Sick. But it, didn't cool. sell, but it didn't sell that well. Huh, interesting. Even though, even is it though because, is it because like not, it's not a familiar concept to people there? I, like I people really know ramen. Here's the deal. And this was a big bummer. And we, we, we went back and forth about this. We called it Hayashi Chuka Soba because that's what it is. Well, I called it cold ramen Hayashi Chuka. Like that's the name of the dish. But mm-hmm. then eventually we had to change, we changed the name to like summer ramen style. It was like, I called it dank sesame cold yeah. ramen yeah which is like, like a stupid name yeah which is like i don't want to call it that because that's not what it really is called. sesame isn't even the prevalent flavor but no. there's sesame but people see that and they're like oh i know what that is i'm gonna buy it and that that's an unfortunate reality that i do hope changes is that the culture in general about food especially ethnic food is people get oh no it's a little not, more it's, adventurous yeah it's yeah it, it's not fried bananas it's plantains damn it you know like that's <laughs> Like know what you're talking about. Uh, know your terms, know your I, also, I also though think it's a personality type, right? Because like for yeah, me, like I always chase the high of like finding a new song, finding a yeah. new finding a new movie. Like yeah. I like going through old records just as much as I like trying new food. Why? Exactly. Because I'm looking for that. Oh, like it's a high. It's yeah. like you find that thing and it's like, damn, like this hits the spot. Yeah. Like, what is this Great. new thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, not everybody's like. I see that you guys are doing like shio ramens and other things too, not just tonkotsu, straight tonkotsu. Like, yeah. how has that been received in in you know in the, in your area in Nashville? Like, is people are people are excited to t- taste shio ramen? People are excited to taste like other things? Yeah, I mean, our most popular shio has been a tonkotsu, but it was the garlic shio tonkotsu, mm-hmm. um, and people really like that. People asked for it to come back actually, so we did that one a couple times. Yeah, but our I'm. I'm particularly proud, actually, of our our uh, shoyutori chinchan. Me it's, too. It's, it's a beautiful. It's bowl. something that I, personally, that's my favorite type of soup. Like, period. Same. Even without noodles, without toppings, that's like one of my I mean, that's favorite like, soups. That's like all I ate in New York when yeah. we were doing R and D. When Troy and I were just there, yeah. like, I because like there's no way you can eat no. five bowls of tonkatsu. No. Unless you're Jabba the Hutt and you're yeah. a goddamn monster. Yeah. No way. You know, but, I couldn't do but, it. Yeah, like for me, chintan is one of those things, like being able to make a truly elegant, like simple chicken soup that's perfect. Like that's, to me, if you're going to start somewhere, like everybody wants to make tonkatsu, start simpler, start with chicken, start with something, start with the whole bird, break it down, learn those things. Because the tonkatsu is great and it's creamy and that sounds good. But 
Start simple and Shinton, I think, is way easier to produce. It's easier to produce. It is. It is easier to produce because if you know you how just to just set tap. it and let it do its thing. Hold tap, sure. like one, like, like But they're they're the magics in your tare. And and if you're making it at home for you and it's just for you, the real magic is in the quality of your birds, you know, where you're buying them from, if you have a way to source them. Trying to find stewing hens has been a little bit of uh yeah, you know, you have to buy just whole here. chickens, like whole fryer chickens, because yeah. proper, good quality stewing hens are they're garbage out here, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> they're not great. Um, yeah, I've been having issues here because it's, I guess everything comes to Hawaii on a slow boat and it takes like a week to get here. So it's like, how, how fresh yeah. can a chicken be if it takes. Yeah, frozen. Like, I mean, super long fr- to get here. I'm frozen dealing, meat is frozen prayers. meat. You can still, especially for soup, it's technically acceptable, but mm-hmm. I fully understand that. You're, I, I would rather have frozen meat than something that has a pack date of the first and then you're like, open it on the 21st. <laughs> and you're seriously. like, like you get it two days before, right? So it's yeah. the 18th. Yeah. And then the purveyor, bring, the purveyor brings it on the 18th. You go to open it up to put it in the pot and you're like, Oh. oh shit, this was packed on the first. It's 20 days old. Yeah. There's no way now out good. of principle. It doesn't smell bad, but out of principle, this whole thing's going in the garbage. Yeah. yeah. It smells awful. It needs to go in the garbage. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the struggles of the shop. Yeah. You know? that's of like happens. dealing with, it's just a reality. Yeah, that's like, any kitchen. There's always going to be shit that happens yeah. throughout, the, throughout the day. Yeah, for sure. If you, if you have a plan, just like throw it out the window, dude. <laughs> other things yeah. will, other things will happen and get in the way yeah make plans but uh be be flexible so so one last question before i get into like the uh the listener questions that i got here i got a yeah. lot for you guys oh, how, yeah. how i don't want to talk about it for so, too much because we talk about it everybody talks about it every day but like how has covid affected you guys because you guys started right when it's when right when covid hit and like what are you guys like uh, I mean, to, to be real it like it worked out uh we're like it's a it's like it was it's insane it's a success story i can't believe it like legitimately we did like 175 bowls on a saturday yeah like and that was our first week because everybody else was closed and people were like well shit i have to stay home takeout is what we have to do and you guys are exclusively takeout you guys right now yeah like that's obviously not the dream we had to do that because we couldn't open Uh and that's what so we were just like fuck it we're doing this now he quit his job I quit Two my job before they shut down. <laughs> and then, and then three, and then on my last day, the, yeah. then two days later, the shutdown happened. Yeah. So, so I was like, okay, we have to make, to make this, this work. work. This has to work. This has to work because now I need to pay my bills and I have no way to do that. Yeah. If you I burned don't. your boats, you burned exactly, all your boats. Exactly. So it, that's, and that's why it's takeout. And obviously I don't want to do takeout, but we always will I don't, because I, people want it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's But thing. we're going to be doing dine-in, obviously, whenever that. Mm-hmm. So it, the, the, the plan was to do dine-in and then yes. COVID happened and you're like, oh, fuck, well, yeah. takeout, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ramen is like obviously not a great it's takeout not meant dish. To be takeout. It's not meant to be takeout, but at the same time, it's like, I'm a big believer in like, if it makes somebody happy, do it. Yeah. It's like, it's like opening, it's like opening the door for somebody. Like, do you need to do that? No. It's it's like getting a $45 Wagyu burger and saying, I'd like a slice of American cheese. (laughs) 
Give them the American cheese. Uh, give them, them Ameri- $5. Give them the American cheese. Don't be too proud to put American yeah. cheese on the goddamn burger, dude. Yeah. If that's what somebody wants, then give Do it to it. them. Yeah, exactly. What's the issue? They'll be happy and you'll your server will be happy after they get a fat tip, you know? Well, which is part of why, like, I take issue with Food Network is because there is, there is, like, some of this, like, projection of... Cult- that's not done. This projection of culture yeah. that's, like, that's, huh. like... Oh, like if it's not like this certain way, it's what the chef wants. It's what I think, and it's like whoa, 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 whoa! This is fucking hospitality, man. Yeah. Let's think about what makes people happy. Why do you yeah. cook in the first place? Because if you don't cook to make people, you can hate people. You can think people are terrible, but like if you don't like to make people at least happy with food and drink, why do you cook? Yeah. Why do you serve? That's why are you a bartender? Point. That's the whole point. This is this is kind of like not off topic or yeah. not what I was planning to do with listener questions, but like, have you guys ever put out something that just was super disappointing to like, like it didn't people didn't get it? I know you guys talked about the hiyashi um, chuka and things like that, but is there yeah. been anything like you like? Oh, I'm super stoked about this bowl, and you put it out because, like you said, like you're 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 trying to cook to make people happy, and you put something that that you love that you thought would make people happy that ended up being something that <laughs> people weren't too happy with or didn't receive well. Yeah, we, I mean, I there, we haven't gotten a tremendous amount of negative feedback uh, from people, um, but we're super open to any feedback of any kind. Um, but like some things have, most things have been like, oh, like our, our vegan, uh, our vegan tonkatsu is spicy. Everything that comes on it is spicy and there's no way to get it unspicy. Oh, I see. So, I see. You know, like, it's one of those things where we've had to sell people. I'm like, that's just how it comes. Oh, you know what? Well, but, n- not ramen, but like what? the Donbury bowls. Oh, yeah. There have been Donbury bowls that we've done where we're like, oh, this is so good. Like, this, this is so is cool. So good. And we sold like five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that uh, sucks. Like, where when it has tempura, like fried, like fried green tomatoes and uh, like a, a cucumber salad and other stuff on it, like a classic little Donbury bowl, you know, and it just, a lot, I, I mean, some people just don't want rice, you know what I mean? Like, I get it, but I love rice. You eat it all day. <laughs> well, like, certain desserts, too. Yeah. You know, because we're, like, trying to, like, we're, like... Yeah, because we're doing, we are doing more than just ramen. I mean, all of our gyozas we make by hand in-house. We're, in fact, they're making gyozas right now. And we make the filling and we fold. We're talking about making our own wrappers. All of our dessert is literally 100% from scratch every time. We have an amazing pastry chef, uh, Liz, that works with us. Um, Do you guys feel that's necessary for, like, a ramen shop in America? Like, having gyoza, having donburis, having desserts? Is it kind of, like, unnecessary? I think that right now where we're at, yes. I think that in the future, no. As as things progress, like because like my dream is to like, okay, we open up a few shops, it goes well, the menus are different at the different shops, so it's not like just the same stuff all over again, you know. We don't want to be a chain, but like we want to like focus on different. It's like our whole bit is like Japanese soul food. Like our focus is ramen, but like exploring and going into other dishes in that cuisine and taking influence from throughout Asia and throughout America in to that food is like the goal. It's yeah. like a combination of education and bastardization is yeah. really what we want to do for people. Well, we're learning too. And we just want to share with people what we're learning. When you, when you talk to Japanese people about ramen, they, they'll say the same thing. Like, well, ramen is Chinese food. So yeah, like, what can yeah. we say about, you know, yeah, like people exactly. changing what ramen is? Yep. 
Cool, man. All right. So we got some, got a lot of questions here. So we're going to get through them. Um, first one is from Perez, which is like, he's an awesome chef in, I think he's in Spain now. But how do you cool. keep things per- fresh professionally, creatively? Like, what's interesting to you now? Uh, keep reading. Yeah, for me, I was going to say the same thing. Keep, keep reading. reading. Buy, like, even if you only read a few pages from the book, buy the book. Spend that $40. Go to the library. Yeah. If you don't have the money, take yeah, the time exactly. to read. Don't, that's, that's the thing. It's like, or like, if there's like films that I watch, like when I, when I'm feeling like uninspired or down or like, man, I'm not doing enough. Like, what's the point? Like, I'll watch Brahmin Heads. I'll watch uh, a film called King George, which is about a uh, French chef in Philadelphia who was too old and he ended up leaving, but then didn't actually leave. Like, just like he just shows, like he still shows up to work every day, even though he's not the executive <laughs> chef anymore. That's like the Taisho King guy. He like yeah. technically retired, but he's still there exactly. every day. Tasting exactly. soup. Yeah, and like Tampopo is a really cute, fun one too. That's actually very inspiring. That's yeah, a good movie. Like if you just like. Evidently, it's inspired Ivan Orkin, Tom Popo, like with some yeah. things in it. Yeah, so. yeah it's, it's awesome. Really, that movie, that movie's so it's weird. So it's cute. so good. It's so much fun. It's so good. Um, but yeah, keeping it fresh, it's really just never get too set in what you're doing either. I think the fact that our menu is a different bowl every day is a big part of where our creativity is come from because we have to constantly keep producing stuff where it's like, okay, cool. So we're always producing. Let's do something new. Let's do this. We can get this in. They're, they're running a special on this from our purveyor. Do you want to try doing this? And it's just the push, right? Yeah. And it's something that And that's like, what we call it here. We it, just said- In we, fine dining, uh, there's a term where it's like, it's, it's, it's called the push. Like yeah. working 18 hour days and still like, you know, I, it's like we, it's like, yes, we're just serving fast food, really. And we're just serving comfort food, really. But like, we have a good time here. Like, like sometimes we have too much fun. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it, it's great, but- there's a lot of influence and a lot of push on, you know, what are the best restaurants in the world doing that aren't necessarily serving Japanese food, but like, what is their creative process like? Yeah. And so you see, like, I was watching videos of, you know, Renee Recepi at Noma and every, I think there was a period of time where like every Saturday night they would do like the cook tasting. So like all of the cooks, all the chef, all the chefs who worked under Renee Recepi would come up and present dishes that they were working on and they would discuss them as a group. And so like, this is why, like, I think kitchens that are less, and I think with the way food is progressing, I think that kitchens are going to be less about being really amazing kitchens are less about an ego driven chef and more about the collaboration of the team. Cause there was nothing, there is nothing more important in a restaurant than the people who work in it. Yes. Because you can have one really amazing chef, but if no one is there to serve the food, run the food, do the dishes, doesn't you don't matter. you don't have a goddamn thing. It doesn't matter. How big is your staff, by the way, now? Like currently, how many people did you guys got there? Uh, Not counting us, I want to say. Me, it's a, it's me, you, Riley, Tillman, Liz, Liz. We have two Lizes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Al, Max, and Troy, kind of counts. Even these are. And Rachel, so 10. 10, yeah. We have 10 throughout the week for seven days a week. We're only yeah. open six days, but we prep heavy on Mondays. Yeah. Awesome. And that's counting front of house, too. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you guys. All right. So this is from Quota Ramen. I, I, I like this question. So he asks, what's the learning curve like going from doing noodles the old way to doing with them at the Richmond? 
Dude, it's been rough. I've been doing okay. So I've been I've been doing most of the noodle production, um, and I I can say that it's the Richmond is an amazing machine. But if you're using it wrong, boy, are you gonna you're gonna hate your life. It's like a hundred percent user error. If it anything is. Goes if wrong. anything goes wrong, you fucked up, not the machine. That machine is golden. But it's uh, it going from doing those hand tricks, hand kneading, rolling, all that stuff. Uh, even hand cutting if you don't have a cutter like to go from that it's it the learning curve takes like I want to say you got to spend at least a solid 15 hours on the machine before you're like okay, okay this cool, makes cool, sense. cool I got this I'm not worried I know what I'm doing wrong because then also you'll you'll start noticing how to feel your you know the air for its moisture to adjust yeah, your hum- mix times, yeah, to talk about humidity, like mix times, yeah, because the, like the way that their mixer work isn't it's not a stand mixer with like a paddle, you know, it's a rotating thing that can only rotate so fast. So, and it's more of a kneader than it is like a mixer by the nature yeah. of what it's doing. So, things like that, it's all stuff that you, if I keep reading about noodles too, you'll learn more about it too. Just like every, I try to read everything I can about how to make different types of noodles of all kinds. I spent work. I spent six months working for Danny Nicoletto making pasta with him to learn everything I could about that and apply that to what I was doing for ramen. So, cool. Yeah. It's, get, it's, it's really, uh, it's like using the Richmond. Like we were just, we were so damn slow in the beginning. Oh man. Yeah. One so, batch, so one batch of like 90 orders took me like two hours, two and a half hours. And it's supposed to be, <laughs> an hour hour and a half like the way the machine is advertised and it's like is a hundred orders an hour but it's like a hundred orders an hour if you're a if god you're, if you're good yeah if you're good. <laughs> so get good yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Good. is it is it possible to push it faster than that or is that just like the top speed if you're there the is best of the best uh see okay so this is the thing there's like about the different there's, processes there's, require yeah. different like you can't like okay for yeah. example you have to rest right and this is a lot of information for people who are looking at them. This was a big thing for me when I was looking at the Richmond, when we were like, okay, if we're gonna get a noodle machine, what would it blah, 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 like how would we do this? What would it look like? And there's not a tremendous amount of information on Yamato's website that goes into details about, about those like specific- how, About like how it works. Like yeah. just like, just like it's, it's like how to, how to use anything, like how to use a slicer. Like you could look up a video on like how to use a deli slicer. I'm going to work at a deli tomorrow. I should know how to use yeah. this. Or there's like, not, a, but there's not a lot of that for the Yamato. Uh, so like with, with things like speed, you have speed for your rollers, but once you're cutting, you're in a set speed. A lot of people don't know that. Or like, yeah, I was, I was, to... I was like playing with, I would be cutting needles and I was playing with the speed and I was like, oh, it's going faster. But it's like, I was just psyching myself out. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not, like, no, like it's, speed, it's, it's just yeah. one speed, yeah, yeah, like yeah. placebo effect. Uh, but it's like there's certain processes in that where you can't go faster. We got like, lucky too. When we got the machine, we took the time to have uh, Patrick from Shio Ramen out in yeah. Kentucky, Can- right? uh, Kansas, Kansas City. City. He came down. Um, and showed us he has one, so he came down and he showed us how to use it. And if you can get someone to show you how to use it hands on, if you get one, hey, fly us will, out, yeah, fly give us, us out. a reason to take a vacation for real. For we real. will show you how to use the machine if you buy it, it will be awesome, yes, because it would be with you. yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think uh, Menya Hosaki just got one too. It sounds like, and so Keizo went down to teach him. Okay. I think you, I think it's almost required if you get a Richmond, you have to have someone come down to teach you how to use it first, yeah, or else you're just gonna be wasting like a lot of time. Well, because then the other option is to fly out to you like know, Taiwan or something. Uh, oh yeah, Singapore. that's right, like, Singapore, Singapore, right? Ramen Chef Jason. <laughs> yeah. And the, yep. and the class is like X amount of dollars, and it's like, oh man. After that, after spending all the money on the noodle machine, it was like, ah, I don't know if I can afford another like ten grand just to yeah. be in a Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. This is this is one from um original Kano. He said, what makes your ramen terrible? And I think you read your Instagram yeah. description. We, I, I mean. Your Instagram the title description says terrible uh, ramen on it. It's, it's a joke. It's literally a joke because the thing is, I don't, we don't really care. I've never been, it. I've never been to Japan. Yeah. It I don't even know. Ramen, I guess it know? even good. Yeah. I don't know because I've never if we're really gonna, had it. If we're going to talk about the best ramen in the world, where do you think it is? It's in Japan, it's right? So, so yeah. it's not us. So like. Well, what's the point of reference, right? Like, yeah. where does it come from? Yeah. It, it's also, it's also like poking fun that it's like, who cares? Have a good time. Ah, yeah. whatever, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're just, we're doing our best, you know? Because <laughs> everyone has, everyone's, a, everyone's a food critic, even yeah. though, even if they've never like worked a service for three hundred people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, I think this is one of your friends, Beats by Doyle, asks, "What's the, what has been the yeah. biggest challenge of opening during quarantine?" Love Doyle. <laughs> challenge has just been the fact that we're in the beginning sourcing ingredients yeah sourcing um, ingredients um because we had to get a hold of like our purveyors and all I mean, kansui yeah kansui was like really that. hard vital wheat gluten is really fucking hard to find apparently yeah you had you i had to, to go to a third party website like yeah the, called, I, ba called baker's authority and i spent we spent like i don't know like, like 150 bucks, 150 200 bucks on a 50 pound bag of vital wheat gluten yeah so it, things like that that's been difficult um uh obviously the sales you know just because it's like one, one of those things i think i think if we were open for people to come in here we'd be selling a lot more for me it's been because like the skill set like i'm used to being a line cook yeah like even as a sous chef it was like i worked the line i did all of these things like it's like i think for him, it was the learning curve on the Richmond and like teaching, teaching me and teaching uh, our pastry chef Liz, who's now in training for it. Uh, for me, it was spreadsheets, <laughs> the business side. Yeah. Okay. I was like, what the fuck is Excel? Yeah. You know, like I didn't have, I had no idea. I had no idea. I was like, what's a function? It was like, yeah. I, <laughs> dude, I ditched class and got high during computer class. Like yeah, I didn't, yeah. like I, didn't, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Whatever. It didn't seem uh, now, relevant like, oh. to your life right at the time. Going yeah, to computer exactly. class, like, why the fuck am I gonna waste time doing computer class? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but now it's like, oh, damn, I should have listened to that teacher. <laughs> I would have been great if I actually so she was yelling at me for a reason. So it's like teaching yourself how to, like, you know, because you want to be able to provide for everybody, you want to be able to, like, mm -hmm. give the people who work for you a good quality of life, you want to be able to make sure that you're buying the best ingredients that you can to make the best food. Which, quite frankly, I'm more interested in using ingredients that are less quality in order to make something amazing that sounds pretty interesting it takes more work it, yeah. it's also it's also about like if i have the Air. same like if i have the same access to ingredients that someone down the street does if we're both like getting something that's of the same quality from a kroger or a safeway or a whatever right what can i do with it that makes it you know, more valuable or whatever than what you can do with it, right? Because right, it's the execution over the source exactly. ingredients. 
So yeah. I'm more interested in like, it's like, oh, you need the best tomatoes to make the best marinara. Like, like it's easy to make the best marinara from the best tomatoes. Yeah. Make me the best marinara out of shitty tomatoes. Yeah. I'm much more interested in, in, in that than anything else. You guys should come uh, be cooks in Hawaii because everything is <laughs> crappy and green shipped over bar- the, the sea, over the, the ocean on a slow barge. <laughs> All right. Well, this is from, you got two questions from this person. I think she's also a friend for you guys. Kelsey Carolyn asks, um, what is your secret to, the, to your vegan tonkotsu broth? And also, what is your go-to drink after shift? After a shift. Oh, uh, tequila. Wait, do you mean go-to drink during shift is more yeah, like it? <laughs> during shift. <laughs> Um, uh, we drink a lot of tequila in this house. We drink a lot of tequila. Sake, tequila, whiskey. Yeah, that's pretty that's much really it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I like how um, you guys answered that question first over the... <laughs> that's a quick one. That's easy. I mean, uh, this yeah. is empty. Yeah. The, uh, the, vegan, the vegan soup yeah. is... It's really all of the trim from the vegetables that we use Yep. in-house so we're not throwing anything away yep. as long as it's not moldy or like or like unusable you know because sometimes you'll get vegetables that aren't awesome like the skins will be a little funky obviously throw that away keep everything that's good yep. um and then use just the basics for veg stock yep. and what we do is we char them on the stove put them in the pot boil them i boil we take as much time with our vegan soup as we do any of the meat soups uh, let it go i let oh. we let it go for two days Oh, wow. Because if your vegetables, to me, because most people are like, it takes 45 minutes to make veg stock. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. if your vegetables aren't b- falling apart, you Sponge. have not broken down the cell walls in order to get every bit of, of flavor that you can yeah. get out of that. Because yeah. that's the thing is like, if you pick up a piece of chicken that is cooked in your soup and it still tastes like chicken, it should be going longer. Yeah, it should taste like nothing. Yeah. Your chicken should taste bland. The physical chicken, if you're using whole chickens in a, in a chinton or a python, it should taste like nothing yeah. because it's all it been emulsified it's and in extracted the into the water. Yeah. So we have that approach with our vegan soup. Then we strain it. We make a soubise. Mm-hmm. With, uh, so we take flour and vegetable oil, uh, make a blonde roux, uh, and then we set that aside and we caramelize apples, ginger garlic and a lot of mushrooms um caramelize all of those ingredients and oh, and 10, on- and, um, 10 pounds of onions yeah and onions caramelize all of those things in separate batches add that to the pot of roux take almond milk add that to the roux let it come up because roux doesn't activate if you unless you bring it to a boil then blend it through a stick blender then put it in a vitamix so a commercial blender and then we quart that up so you have three components that come together on the stove, okay? And we, we use, the ratio is for your veg stock, for every, it's two to one. The, it's, it's actually four to one, yeah. I think. It's four quarts of veg stock. Four quarts of veg stock, two quarts of subis, and quart of vegan one quart of vegan tare, yeah. um, which is miso, soy sauce, uh, mirin. Uh, we still feel shame. We, we season the vegan soup with tare before it goes in the bowl. Sorry. We put, it, we put it in the pot as a finished product. So that we don't way anything else. Scoop and so. go. Yeah. Uh, as far as that goes, because we sell, I mean, we have a 16 quart pot of it on the stove, whereas everything else we have 40 quarts. Yeah. You know, yeah. ready it's to It's much sell. easier to season it. 
in the smaller. I pot think it's season. it's easier to season a small pot of soup than it is to to deal with okay, Charlie in the bowl, this that. It just makes it. It's just seasoning that soup to taste. That's just execution. There, there. I've seen ramen shops in Japan that just season the soup as is too. Yeah. So it's it's not like oh, it's a sure. uh, it's yeah. Like I've seen videos uh Jap- in in Japan of just like ramen. They'll go to like they always have like tons of Japanese TV shows and ramen media. So like I'll watch them in Japanese on YouTube. And sometimes they'll go to a shop and the person shows how to, how they make it. And they're just putting salt and show you into this the stock pot. So it's like, it sounds like a, like a rule that's really strict, but like, it's like everything else with ramen. Like you just got to do what you got to do to make it taste yeah. good. For the See, I didn't know that. That makes me feel so much better. Cause yeah. like I like for the longest time, like that's how we did the pop-ups uh, for the, for the events with like 300 yeah, people waiting outside. Because the thing about cooking on the line and when you're doing volume and when you're dealing with a real service, thinking about one less step, it's like, are the steps that you're taking, are they improving the quality of the food? So if your soup is seasoned and you're only doing, it's not like I'm saving it and then serving it the next day. If you're doing a pop-up, any soup that's left over, you give it to the people who are working. Yeah. And you're like taking home, you know? yeah, I think I think the tare thing is it's more of a uh, a product of utility where you can have one soup and make shio ramen, miso ramen, shoyu ramen. I, I kind of feel like that might yeah. be the the result. And if you guys are doing a dedicated vegan ramen soup, then it I don't see much problem just seasoning it. Yeah, exactly. Like, no. yeah. Right. So um, next question is uh, from Nama Japan TV, and he says that he saw your uh, your ramen bolognese. How you said bol- bol- bolognese? Bolognese, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to read this tiny, tiny thing on. Uh, I had Instagram. to look up the. I had to look up the spelling, and I've been making it for years. Yeah. Bolognese. 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 Yeah. What is what is the line for you guys between ramen and pasta? Uh, if you're alkaline strong, salt. Yeah, ansui <laughs> in your dough. Yeah, that's it. Literally, it needs, if it needs it's ramen noodles, salt. if it's ramen noodles, it's ramen. Right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. That's it. It's it's yeah. it's literally just some alkaline salt and dough. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if this person is somebody that you know, but they asked five questions. Is and it, is uh, it Fernando? It's, it's Asia. Is that is fr- it, is fructiferous? Is, is it Mijo? Is it Mijo Gordito? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mijo yeah. Gordito. Ah, what up, Pepe? Yeah, Pepe in Asia. Asia. <laughs> So you guys do know who this person is, okay? Yeah, they're, so. um, they're super chill. They're, they they, they have one of the best Mexican slash Lao pop ups in the whole all like I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, it's so cool. good. All right, so you guys want to answer all of their questions or just a couple of them? Or, oh no, there's six hey, questions. Hey, that's, 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 that's up to you, man. Yeah, we got okay, okay. that. We're just hanging out. Yeah. Okay, so um, I think they're all, well. This one is a. When they fell from heaven, how hard did it hurt? That's just that's the first question. <laughs> I don't know. I dug up from hell, so <laughs> you came the other way. <laughs> yeah, I came the other way. So my fingers hurt. You know. All right. Com- uh, this one is same person. Kombu versus Bonita Flake. You need both, but what's your favorite smell? Ooh, that's so uh, that's hard. That's so hard because it depends on if it's in, in like when because when kombu is in a pot, it's a totally different smell than just. It's the ocean. Out. It's the ocean yeah. versus. It's the ocean versus. I don't know. I just got myself a block, an actual block of katsubushi and a shaver. Uh, I might have to go with the smell of katsubushi. Might be. I think. Kom- I think kombu. 
I prefer having I really come. Do. If I had to choose which one so I'm cooking clean. with, though, but in my pantry, if I had to pick one, it would be home. Because it's so clean and so distinct. Yeah, there, it's its own thing. There it's are nice. some things that I think you could imitate you could do to imitate katsubushi but like sure. nothing will ever imitate kombu no seaweed's its own fucking thing for sure what what sets you oh i gotta open this question up what sets you apart from 50 cent ramen how do you fill my soul <laughs> uh I mean, absolutely nothing. They're yeah, both really. equally as important. Thank yeah, you very much. We are equally as important. We <laughs> just put we put more man hours into it in theory. You know? No, no, really it's, 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 it's from scratch. It's like, yeah. But at the same token, it's like if you try to make Heinz ketchup, it's not going to be as good, good as Heinz, Heinz ketchup. ketchup. That's so, true, yeah. So there's, so there's no reason. We're, we're way, you know, Marshawn yeah. is way better. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to skip a, a bunch of their other questions because that's okay. about, yeah, it's about. I'm not sure if it. It's because we answered. We well, we answered them before yeah. this. So, what? Um, this is from Three Yorks. What was the toughest thing from scaling up from ten people to doing in, uh, from ten people in a house to doing pop ups to doing your own shop? Doing this every day, like yesterday. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be super vulnerable. Part of the reason we didn't serve gyoza was because we had some issues earlier in the week with production. Yeah. And then like yesterday, I was like, fuck it, I don't feel like folding. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's, it's you, the push you, of doing it every single yeah, day. When you, That's the yeah, hardest thing. When you hit 70 hours and you're only on Saturday, you know, it's like, okay, maybe yeah. we can let one thing go this week, you know? But, yeah, the it's, grind it's really not, but it's really not okay. It's about- It's not. It's, it's about knowing how to do it better next time. Plan plan. For fixing that mistake it's about the push right yeah. it's like it's like there's nothing no matter what if you make a plan it will not go as planned so you're just doing your best to try to compensate yeah um this person is this seems like a lot of questions from people that you know who they are um ramen is this is from the same person three yorks ramen is pretty filling on its own did you find people struggling to eat your five courses during your pop-ups I know my wife did the, when we went to that dinner, but that's just because she's like a bird. And I really tried to, I really tried to downsize too. I know. Like in the I, beginning, I like in the beginning, yeah. I was like, oh, we used to do like five dumplings and like two skewers and yeah. like, and like a big, like a pretty orange salad. And I was like, okay, the courses need to be smaller. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I just want to make it worth it. Yeah. For if you're going to charge $50 for a meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want everything to be. I like, want to make it worth it. You can't like, just put a you. bowl of ramen in front of somebody. Here's $50. Yeah, exactly. yeah exactly. But for me, it was also like what I should have done now in hindsight. It's funny because I'm just thinking of this right now. It should have been like, there's to-go boxes, uh, you know, under your, under your table, under your chairs, like tape to the bottom of your chairs, anything you don't want to eat right now. You yeah, just home. But if you only want to eat like one bite, one gyoza out of the three, you know, which is fine. Yeah, take it off. It's just, it's just about like, is, is, because if you're doing five courses at $50, each plate is $10. Yeah. Yeah. And I make a dumpling that's worth $10, a single dumpling. <laughs> yeah. Like right. one gyoza that's worth $10. It's, uh, I don't think so. Nah. That's like out of my skill set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you did, you probably wouldn't be like getting your money back. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. <laughs> cool. So this is from Dalton clay and it cut instagram cut off the rest of his name dalton clay i can't read it well anyways from dalton what constitutes true ramen in your opinion 
Oh, ramen noodles and soup. <laughs> Dude, noodles and soup. You honestly, and scallions. You honestly, scallions. You have to have. No, I'm. <laughs> I'm no, one I'm, of those people. I mean, I, I mean, you don't. You don't need anything else. Like I'm. Yeah, it's noodles and soup. Yeah, that's noodles it. And soup. Like, if you have noodles and soup, that's it. Like it's you a, don't even need a topping. Aromatic it, oil. In theory, to me, that should always be the best part of your bowl at the end of the day when you're starting. Is your noodles and soup should be so good that everything else is just making the noodles and soup even better. That's that's a really good way to approach it. I know people in Japan sometimes they go like you're a noodle guy, you're a noodle guy or you're a soup guy, but it seems like you need those two things to be the the core yeah. components of whatever you're making. You can't be a topping shop. You have to be like a no. noodle and soup. No. Exactly. But every component is important. It is. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like what do you? I I, I want to ask you a question. What do you think is the most important components? Yeah. She's. I don't know. Um, like my, my answer to that changes like all the time, to yeah. be honest, like before I used to think like the tare was the most important. And then I talked to Kanda-san on the podcast and he's like, no, soup is most important. And just use shoyu. And it's like, huh, okay. Maybe the soup is more. And then you go, then you get into your noodle phase and it's like, well, the noodles seem pretty important because if the noodles suck, then you can't really, because I've heard also heard Japanese people say the noodles are the rice of ramen. You know, like Japanese people yeah. always yeah. eat rice with everything. So like if your rice sucks, you can't enjoy anything yeah, else no, it's oh, man. undercooked rice get out like you can have the most beautiful protein but if it's undercooked or like way overcooked yeah you know out. there is a little bit of leeway i think yeah. but like if your rice is way overcooked or under at all like under yeah. at all because oh, yeah. you can tell when it's under at all and you're yep. just like man this yeah. is bad this is bad like yeah. this is like it doesn't even matter what the protein is or yeah. whatever yeah, exactly. yeah so i definitely my answer to that always changes because it's like depending like i hear all these things and and i, I can see the valid, validity in each one like oh rice uh, noodles are the rice of the soup or rice of ramen like okay that's super important that should be the focus and like the uh, soup is like the, the main thing like i that kind of is what ramen is it's soup and then definitely not the toppings i think toppings is very overrated but it seems in america people love toppings for ramen. it's the thing because people are like people are like I think a lot of it is like, oh, what else am I getting with it? Well, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. What is it? Like, what, like, what is it? Like, that's the value of the bowl is like. It's kind of ironic because a lot of the culture, a lot of the culture in America around ramen is very surfacey and literally the topics are just the fucking surface of the soup. Mm -hmm. You're just, and that's what looks good on your Instagram post. Yep. But to me, the best part, my favorite part of the soup is digging my chopsticks to the bottom of the bowl and pulling up a huge portion of noodles and eating that first, like crushing half the noodles and then going after everything. It else. is funny. Is that is that that's like is that like an uh, is that like a metaphor? It's like a very philosophical thing to think about. Uh, you know, the surface of the bowl and the things that are on the surface are American. But, yeah, you guys got to repeat what you just said. Your 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 stream oh, lagged right there. Oh, and yeah. it sounded super profound, so I want to get oh, it on well, the podcast. Yeah, I can't. We we lost it. It's gone. <laughs> the moment's gone. I, it's like is it, is it is it a meta is it a metaphor? Like is that perspective a metaphor for you know our people? Like like if they only care about toppings and that's like the most important thing, is it like that it's on the surface of the soup and that it's surface level? Does that say that like Americans are superficial and, and surface level. You know what I mean? Yeah. And their approach to food. And it's like not an insult. Obviously, we're Americans, but like thinking about the way that we approach food. Sorry, I think I think, like we, I think Zoom is censoring oh, you guys. They don't want to, they don't want you to talk about that one thing about Americans. Sorry, not sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> no worries, no worries. I, I get it. Like like um, Americans, the way that we approach eating food is more like not as deep as maybe potentially other cultures. I think that's what you guys are trying to say. 
Yeah. I mean, yes and yes yes no. no. It's more, it, I think all <laughs> food is food everywhere in the world. And it, I think everybody needs to slow the fuck down a little because food, you need it. You need food. You have to eat every day. Slow down and enjoy what you're eating. Well, in the same way that Food Network has like really changed the image of uh, the culinary scene in the States and throughout the world, quite frankly, it's like what fast food did for America and for the world was like, now at a fine dining restaurant, people are like, this took 10 minutes. Why did it take 10 minutes? I needed this in the window two minutes ago. That pickup should be eight minutes, but it's like, man, like it's, it's a filet. Yeah. Like the guest wants it in 10 minutes, but I'm cooking you a ribeye. Yeah. So, or whatever, like, like anything, or I'm building a pan sauce or I'm, I'm, or like, I'm like, we did bang, bang noodles, you know, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, and we bang and we're banging order. out to order. Like we did that pad thai the other night. Like I cooked on the line that Saturday night and I was like cook, p- cooking chicken from raw on the line. We didn't like pre-cook the chicken or anything. Yeah. Like it was marinated, goes in the pan, takes time to cook chicken. If you don't want to kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. but it's still fast food. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like in in Japan, they they, it, I think people are more similar around the world than people realize. Like in Japan, they have this term called instabae, which means something that looks good, food that looks good for Instagram. That's basically what yeah, it translates right. to. And so they do the same thing. Like they're taking pictures for Instagram and they're trying to show off their the, the thing. So I don't know. It's it's yeah. just a weird thing with ramen, but I well, I. We joke about like Instagram chefs versus like real chefs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People who are just doing it to look cool. It's like, it's like, it's, like it's just like any other, uh, nice it's picture. like rock stars or anything like that. Any kind of artist who's just doing it to be cool. Like, yeah. Don't be that guy. You make good food. Like, actually put out quality products. That's the thing. If you're like, I would say that, like, if you're going to do, like, if you're a hobbyist and you want to go, oh, I really want to do this full time, like, you have to have conviction. Like I eat ramen maybe once a week. Like I taste the bowl. I'll Every have a day. I'll have a bite of noodles and a sip of soup. But like eating a whole bowl. Like when I sip the soup, I think about it. Okay, if I sip this fifty more times, right for the entirety of the bowl, will it be too salty? You know, and you have to you teach your palate how to taste like that. But it's mm-hmm. like you need conviction. The internet is so bad. Yeah, Sorry. the internet here sucks. No, no worries. We're almost we're almost done anyway. So it, it, it did its job. It did its it did a good job. So cool. um so yeah, as far as like the most important, I think it's kind of like true true ramen heads would say like everything has to work together. So I'm not really sure if there's the most important thing for me, but yeah, that's a hard question. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. All right, so this is the last question. Um what is your tade procedure for making large batches? And this is from Preston Coleman. Oh, I love this. Uh, when we first were developing tari recipes, I closed my eyes and put the ingredients on a scale. Like just put what you thought you might use and then uh-huh. wrote those numbers down. And there you go. And then you taste it. And like we, I, I literally dip a spoon in the tare and I put it in my mouth and I say, is this repulsive in salinity? Is this unbearable to eat on its own? <laughs> then you know it's good. You're yeah. on the right track. Then you just adjust how much. Yeah. A half an ounce, an ounce, an ounce and a half, two ounces. You know, I never want to go, I never want to need 
more than two ounces. If it's two and a half ounces, you that's need, a lot of tar. You yeah. need you need more salt. You yeah. need more whether it's coming from miso or then, shoyu yeah. or anything. Like then you need to add more a, salt to your tar. Affect the viscosity of your soup and all that kind of stuff. It's but like, our miso tari recipe yields eight quarts. I think everything else yields ten to twelve yeah, quarts. Yeah. So we do a fairly large amount at once. Um, but it's all about steeping. You're willing to steep and willing to let it go for a long time and keep eyes on it. You know, let it let it reduce to where it needs the to go. The first tari recipe that I made that I'm still in love with, and it tastes a lot like the yakitari tari that you made for Fourth of July. He did this really beautiful like scallop and schmaltz, uh, like dried scallops and schmaltz tari for yakitori um, on the Fourth of July. But it reminded me of a tari I used to make from the Momofoku cookbook that was like chicken backs in in show you and it's like you 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 chart you roast them in the oven and then you degla you deglaze the pan with the frond or the fond that's that's on the bottom of the pan with mirin uh soy sauce sake and you cook out the you cook out the booze so it gets rid of that strange bitter taste and it's so rich and it's yeah, so it's beautiful but it takes two it takes like two hours to make yeah one tari it takes two or three hours yeah it's beautiful that's really cool. Yeah, tare is like, that's still something that I struggle with. Maybe that's why sometimes I used to say that, like, I thought that was the most important thing because it's so challenging to like, how do you taste that shit? It's so salty, you know? Like, how do you it know is, that you dialed it, it in correctly? But if it is so salty, then, I mean, I think what you do in your videos is really brilliant. You use, you're like, okay, I'm going to use water and aromatic oil. Yep. And you just like, no, because then what that does is it really lets the tare come through like sometimes in order to bring out more miso flavor don't add more miso add more vinegar and some yeah. salt yeah because what those do it's like understanding how these ingredients work together to bring out flavors of, yeah. to bring out the flavors of Where each other leads your also letting something sit letting sauces and and tare like like marry you know for like more than 24 hours so mm. that everything comes together Letting it cool at a at a at a fast enough rate and just letting it hang out together. Yeah. Even in even if it just hangs in your fridge for more than twenty four hours, sometimes it can help bring out that. So I what I like to do is when we strain the uh, all of the solids out of the tare, I like to pull the kombu back out and put it all back in and let mm. it sit and just let that kombu ride until every single piece of umami comes out. But it all but it's also like why yakitori masters like you see yakitori guy like he has the same tare that he's always used yeah. it's that hot and it's like man like who does that and it's like no that's a thing that's yeah. what you do and yeah. why why do we do that why why is that a tradition because it tastes better as it sits over time yeah exactly it's, it's natural so it yeah, only makes sense so maybe what you should do is make a tare and let it sit for two months yeah and then reapproach it yeah. and write notes about how it tasted and then be like, oh, let's, well, has it changed at all? If so, how? Yeah. Cool, cool, yeah. So one last selfish question for me. Did you guys watch my last video? My shitty, my shitty show you ramen? I didn't get to watch that. Uh, okay, so it. it's not a big deal if you didn't watch it, but I want to get you guys to watch it and then tell me what I did wrong because it thing tasted like a fart, man. It was so oh, bad. Okay. And it was basically just chicken and water. And that's what I was going for. Like that. Mike, Mike calls it new wave. It's his term yeah. for it, but basically yeah. that. And so I know you guys are busy, so I don't expect you to watch it, but I'm going to ask like all the guests now, like I've been getting a ton yeah. of feedback on like what I did wrong. Cause that's kind of like my dream is to do like 
a pop-up on Kauai eventually here where yeah. I'm serving like that. Cause it's ironic that in Hawaii where we have Simon, which is basically like a shio chintan, like we, that's yeah. so ubiquitous here that all people know of ramen is tonkotsu ramen here. And so like, I want to show yeah. people like, Oh, you know, shoyu ramen is a legit thing too. And this is, these are flavors that everybody in Hawaii knows. Like shoyu is like, we call it shoyu in Hawaii. We don't call it soy sauce. It's called, sure. everybody in Hawaii calls it shoyu. And so like yeah. everybody knows these flavors. And so like, yeah. It's kind of my dream to do a secret shop here or secret thing here one day. Yeah. And I want to get that chicken soup good. So any tips you guys can give me after about was chicken it soup? Just, was it just chicken and water? Is that what you it was said? just chicken and water. Yeah. That's what we do for our chintans. We so we do whole chickens. We do so it's fifty pounds of whole chicken. Forty. Uh no 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 it's forty pounds of bones. You're right. Yeah. Fifty pounds of whole chickens. Twenty pounds of chicken feet. And for Chintan, I like to do like 80 quarts of water. Yeah, about, yeah, 80 quarts of water, 60 to 80 yeah. quarts of water. It should cover because some of these things will come frozen. So you need to only fill it up halfway and just let it come up gradually. Uh, you know, never let it come to a boil. And we don't even, we don't skim any of our soups. Uh, every now and then. It it's like, it's like, scummy it is. if the chicken but is really bad, we'll skim it. But it's like when you chinois it, when you put it through a strainer, yeah. it catches most of that. If you use a cheesecloth, and and, a, and uh, it still comes out clear and beautiful. And I've done it, you know, at home before I started doing it here. I've done it where it's like, you know, you're you're making you're making a pie tan or a tin tan, and you're you're. I've done it skimmed and unskimmed, and the the difference in flavor is there. But it to me, I like that extra minerality of all the blood and the weird stuff that's in there. So long as it's you know not you're not adding like literally just straight blood to your soup yeah. i don't think it's gonna overpower all the rest of it you guys start with like frozen chickens too you guys don't defrost first you just put straight frozen, um, frozen chickens right well the bones come frozen the chickens are fresh the feet are frozen and the bones are frozen because that's just how they come in yeah. you know i can't like request like can i get fresh bones today like, <laughs> yeah. no they're like yeah they save them from scrap and they're like, this is the pack date and the freeze date. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we, we do, we throw the whole thing frozen in the pot and we cover it with just enough water so to that get it to break apart, break apart and thaw. And then we adjust our measurement from there. I see. Cool. You want to, we like two inches above two inches of water above the chintan and uh, chintan and four inches above with a python. Oh, okay, so it's more like a visual. You guys are doing visual guides rather yeah. than like a weight measurement or anything. It's more like well, because well, because if because then you have to take the time to do the math of okay. So if they only gave me, if they only gave me half a case of chicken today because that's all they had on the truck mm. was this half case. Oh no! Like we can't just add the same amount of water and expect yeah. it. It's funny. The first time we did chintan, I freaked out because I added too much water. And I was like messaging Mike. I was like, Mike, how do I fix this? I'm in Lord, come to my rescue. I have fucked up so bad. And he's like, he's like, he's like, dude, I don't even know what to tell you. Start I've over. never done this. I've never made this mistake before. I was yeah. like, damn it. Well, his advice, <laughs> his advice was, I was like, well, I'm a failure. I was like, his advice was, you know, let it cool, let it completely cool, take the fat off of it, and then just let it reduce. Because once you've strained out all of those solids, even with a chinton, you can put it full blast as long yeah, as you've yeah. taken no solids. You can you as long as you've taken out all of the solids and all of your fat 
so there's nothing to emulsify into it, mm -hmm. you can turn it on blast and reduce it till you get the proper chicken flavor. So that might be something that you do. Just to just do I, it. I will say. Take part of your soup, the yeah. one that you messed up, and then just like make sure there's no fat or solids in it. Mm -hmm. Put it on blast, just let it reduce. Yeah, I will yeah, say that. See though, if it improves the flavor. I yeah. don't recommend, uh, I don't recommend doing that um, if you don't have to though. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, the, yeah, that, that's like, that's like, that's not part of the procedure at all. This is like a, yeah. oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, but, what did we do? Yeah. What did we do? What did we do? <coughs> yep. Super cool. All right, thanks. Uh, that's pretty much all the questions we got. So if you guys awesome. want to talk about anything here or like kind of plug your guys' shop, your Instagrams or do things like that. Uh, uh, Black Dynasty Ramen. Yeah. Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we it. have a website that's cute. Yep. Uh, we, have, we do have hats and pins and I got hats and pins and t-shirts that will ship to you wherever uh, you are for real if you dm us where you're at we do sh we do ship merch uh yeah and i don't know shoot us shoot us a message we love people we, yeah. love, we love we love feeding everybody and we love yeah. we like people about we stuff. like ramen heads too like if a ramen head's coming in from out of town they want to come get our food dm us like yeah let us happy know. to have we like talking about ramen. Like people can come in and talk to us. We will talk to you guys about it. Yeah. All right, cool guys. Thanks so much. I mean, everybody follow them at Black Dynasty Ramen and um, check out the ramen if you're in the area. So, because you're doing some great stuff. Thanks so much for coming to the show. I really appreciate it. And thank, it's something that I wanted to I wanted to get you guys on for a while. So I'm glad it finally happened. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, man. Really appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks so much again to Rooney and Tillman for coming on the show. Like I said before, I'm a huge fan of what they're doing pushing american ramen forward please go visit them on their instagram at black dynasty ramen and if you're in nashville tennessee go get some other ramen i can guarantee unlike what their instagram bio says it's not terrible ramen and if you're not in nashville go pick up some merch man like all ramen shops out there they need our support now so i think they have a website blackdynastyramen.com you can go visit that place if you'd like to support this podcast there are a few ways to do so now i recently set up a patreon page which you can find at patreon.com slash wayoframen. If you're someone who signed up to support this podcast on Anchor, uh, please cancel that and uh, move over to Patreon. I can offer a lot more things there and I can connect with you better there than I can do on Anchor. I also recently set up two online stores. So the first one is wayoframen.com slash shop. And there I have some really high quality Japanese shoyu and kombu and some other things like miso and some brown sugar from Okinawa. I'm working with the guys from the Japanese pantry to offer these things and I'm trying to get them to bring in some more fish products like niboshi and katsubushi. So maybe if we can get the sales going on the way ramen shop, it might nudge them and show them that the ramen community is really into getting these things. If you are a ramen chef or you work at a shop or if you have a pop-up, they are actively looking for people to work with um, if you need to get these ingredients or these kinds of ingredients. They want to be your wholesale provider. So if you're interested in that and you want to be put in touch with them, please feel free to hit me up on Instagram or email and I'll be happy to introduce you guys. I also set up a Teespring merch store with some t-shirts and stuff. I have my logo on a few shirts and there's some joke t-shirts from the Discord server, which will surely confuse any Japanese person if they see you wearing it, but I'll link it up anyway in the show notes. Speaking of Discord, feel free to join the discussion of this episode on the Way of Ramen Discord server. Lots of people in there talking about ramen pretty much all hours of the day. It's really fun. Link for that also in the show notes. And lastly, if you want to follow me on my ramen making journey, you can find that on YouTube where I try to figure out how to make better ramen 
all by myself here in Hawaii with a lot of help from people like Rooney and Tillman on this podcast and all the other podcast guests. So you can just search Way of Ramen on YouTube and that should pop up. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate all the support and I'll see you all in the next episode. Hopefully not as long of a break this time. Peace.